Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. It's time for another Netflix and Dill. And this go around, we're discussing the second season of our favorite streaming show, Sacred Games. Who exactly is Gaitone talking to? Will there be another season? Do we even want another season? What's up with Pancash Tripathy's wig? All this and more as we return to the games. The, the Sacred Games. Those ones. Yes, as opposed to like the Hunger Games. Are there other games? Um, the game? Uh, Michael Douglas film? Yeah, yeah. These are specifically the Sacred Games. Yeah. Um, The Olympic Games? The game where you try and get someone to look at your finger underneath their waist? What? It was a guy thing. If you got someone to look, you could punch them. (laughs) Okay. It's real. This intro is uh, going off the rails. Yeah. Anyway, before we begin, we'd like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations, Métis people. So you'll be like this. Like, you would look over here. Okay. <laughs> uh, for the viewers at home, I got her to look, and then I punched her in the arm playfully. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> that that was the sacred game. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, so this is one of our, this is an episode in our Netflix and Dill series, which is a, a supplemental series that we do. So these episodes tend to be shorter. We aim for 40 minutes. You may notice a <laughs> chiller, more laid back vibe. Uh, there will be no interval. Uh, and this, uh, this series is devoted to, uh, streaming shows. So Hindi language streaming shows. So previously we've done the first season of Sacred Games. Mm-hmm. Ghoul, which was really cool. I still, I still think Ghouls on Film, underappreciated uh, title <laughs> of mine for an episode. Uh, Mirzapur. Yeah. Made in Heaven. Yeah. And now we're doing Secret Games Season 2. Now, here's the thing, Matt. On our last Netflix and Dill episode, I said that the next series we would cover would be either an Eros Now or a Hot Star original. How'd that go? Uh, well... We're now discussing the second season of Sacred Games, which is a Netflix show. So, And there's also the Layla one we're thinking about, too. Are we? I am. Okay. It looks good. Um, we are planning on doing an episode on Typewriter in October, as you know, we always try and devote October to horror content. So mm-hmm. we will eventually get to an Eros Now or Hot Star streaming show. They're just... They don't have as... Oh, we did Deli Crime, too. Yeah, Deli Crime, yeah. Yeah. They just... They don't have as high of a profile. Well, Delhi Crime won our um, our quiz our to poll. figure out which one to do. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But I, I like doing these episodes because there's a lot of really interesting content coming out on streaming services, especially when it comes to uh, longer form series, series as opposed to films. Though, I guess Google, the, the, the runtime on could Google could have been a, a movie. Film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But before we get to that, we have a new review. Yeah, so this comes from La La Land 4905 uh, from Canada. So, hi, La La Land. Amazing stuff. You guys are just a delight to listen to. I'm an Indian Canadian obsessed with Bollywood, and listening to your podcast has made me revisit movies I'd forgotten about and also led me to watch some that I overlooked. Aww, that means a lot. Yeah. I appreciate the research that you put into each episode and also appreciate you guys making an effort to pronounce things properly. But don't sweat that too much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's almost more fun listening to you guys talk about movies you didn't like. LOL. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. It kind of makes for better podcasting when you can tear into something. That's why every other movie podcast is like, movies suck or movies oh. for jerks. Really? I I generally prefer to talk about stuff I like. Though I do, I will too. say it is, it's, it's sometimes harder to come up with things to say and reasons why something is good because it's just kind of like 
it's good. Well, Whereas, good things are good in the similar way. Usually, it's what Tolstoy every yeah. every unhappy un, every unhappy family is unhappy in a different way. Every shitty movie is weird and bad in a, bad, a different way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and finally, I want to say that you're both very respectful in re- expressing mm-hmm. your thoughts and opinions on the Indian culture while discussing the movies. Always keeping it classy, professional, and fun. Love Matt's dry humor that he casually throws in at times. Thank you. And Aaron always trying to stay on topic. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Keep it up, guys, and release episodes more often. We'll try. We, we try, but this is a side hustle. <laughs> yeah, and also this was eight hours of TV watching for this yeah. one. Uh, by far the best Bollywood podcast currently in the running. Smiley Aww. face. Thank you. P.S. Have you guys seen Kosla Kagosla and Rangdi Basanti? Would love to hear your take on episodes de- dedicated to these ones. Uh, to answer that question, we have seen Rangdi Basanti. Yes, we haven't seen Kosla Kagosla. Kosla Kagosla. Um, we'd like to, and I think at some point we would like to discuss both of those films. So Rangdi Basanti, I, I see mentioned all the time as like just the perfect mix of school days type stuff, but also kind of like revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's an interesting film. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked it quite a bit. I think we just watched it for fun one day. It wasn't even for an episode. We were no. just like, yeah, let's watch this Amir Khan film. We just threw it on one day. Yeah, we thought, we'll watch this Amir Khan film. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was really good. So uh, that's the short version. Uh, Kosla Kagosla, we'll look into. Yeah, yeah. We, we should we should catch up with both of those. The, the list of movies that we want to discuss on the podcast is very long. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes finding that balancing act of... What episodes to do and when to discuss what is is tricky. And finding guests who know about stuff, too, yeah. if it's something we're not you know familiar with. Yeah, yeah. But um, we always love to hear what films and topics people want us to discuss, um, because when we hear that, we, we kind of, we bump those stuff up to the top of the list. So like we, we did with Sacred Games and uh, Deadly Crime. Like, that's what people wanted to talk about. Exactly. So, so now I'm going to make a priority to feature both of those films in, you know, in, in some of our upcoming episodes as we plan. You see La La Land? Reviews get results. <laughs> uh, and if you want to be cool like La La Land and receive 10 or 5 Biffle Points, I forgot how many Biffle Points it is, uh, please... I'll give La La Land 15. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, please leave us a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we love five-star ones. Uh, and we'll read them on air. They, you know, they, they really brighten our day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And after and watching lots of you. depressing movies, too, you kind of need something. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's get into Saker Game Season 2. Now. Should I ring the spoiler alert right now? I'll put it in, in now. Because we're gonna we're gonna spoil everything, right? Like I, I don't know if there's a way to talk about this and not at least spoil season one, right? Yeah. Well, you okay? You re-listened to our season one episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not because I don't really want to re-listen to me talking. Um, Interesting. <laughs> I, already, I have to listen to you talking all the time. What are you talking? What's what's the problem? I already do when we edit. It's not like I never listen to the episodes, uh, but I did not feel like re-listening to it when there was other stuff going on. Uh, how much should we spoil of season one in our last episode? Mm, I think we might have had a spoiler alert near the end. I do remember that I think we talked about the nuke, or at least that they were alluding to a nuke. Right. Because there is the nuke in the opening titles, yeah. too. 
I think it'll be hard to discuss this season without ruining a lot of this season as well. So Yeah, uh, I think we should just have a general spoiler. Yeah, if you haven't seen the show... It's good. Watch the second season, you know. Yeah. It's very solid. Please go back, listen to, you know, watch the show, listen to our episode on the first season, and then you can come back and listen to this episode on the second season. And this is the first time that we've had the opportunity to um, do a, a Netflix and Dill episode on a second season. We've only ever covered, kind of covered the first season of things because mm-hmm. not many shows have released second seasons. I, I think that um, the Breathe has more than one season. Yeah. And the Cricket one on Amazon Prime might as well. Inside Edge? Uh, yeah. I yeah. think, I, yes. But this is the first time we've covered a second season. Mm-hmm. Um, so the show is uh, executive produced by Vikram Aditya Motwane, but he did not return this season to direct. Uh, so instead, his directing duties went to Niraj Gaiwan, uh, who is responsible for Masan. He also directed Masan, a film Ooh. that you and I love. Yeah. I mean, not the most uplifting movie. It's kind of uplifting, actually. It's just kind of a downer. Yeah. It's kind of a downer. But um, that, that fits with the material here. Yeah. So he took over Matwane's kind of portion of the show. The so modern day stuff. The modern day stuff with Saif Ali Khan. Yeah. Anurag Kashyap returns to direct all of the flashback stuff with Nawazuddin Siddiqui and his gangster Gaitonde. Which... It kind of ceases being a flashback at a certain point. It just yeah. kind of becomes like a month before. Yeah, at a certain point, like his story catches up with the beginning of Saif Ali Khan's story. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, as we allude to this in the opening, I, I feel like this is the end. Yeah. And and I I, I actually don't want a, a third season. I, I agree. I'm really satisfied with this. Yeah, it has. I have to assume that they're looking at The Sopranos last scene and thinking like, well, if you leave it on kind of an ambiguous last note, That's people are going to talk about ending. it. And I think they do. Well, and also, isn't this the way the book ends? I don't know. I think The book is. is sitting right over there. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't finished it yet. Uh, I, in the last episode, I did say that I wanted to finish it before now. And listener, let me tell you. The book is very long, and I've read like seventy other books in the meantime. So yeah, it's a doorstopper. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we've we've kind of gotten ahead of ourselves. But about a, a, on the ending, I mean, how much more do you need, honestly? Because it's either he doesn't stop the nuke and it blows up and everyone dies, and then you know the apocalyptic death cult's dream comes true, or he does and is probably the hero of the city, or is just swept under the rug because no one likes him. I think the important thing is that he tries to stop it. And, and I, I think I think that's what's important. It's 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 the journey that he goes through that's, that yeah. that that Sartage takes and he, and him realizing that he wants to save things and that there are things in this world worth saving. Mm-hmm. That is what I think is important to take away and not whether or not he does save the world. I don't yeah. think that's the important part. So I saw some commenters online thinking that potentially Kelki Coquelin's character had brainwashed uh, Sartage because he had visited the ashram quite a few times before the end of the, the show, had taken the Gochi drug, which half of the cast mm-hmm. is on over the course of it now. And he's given a choice between picking two different constellations to draw in. Mm-hmm. One he thinks would save it and one presumably wouldn't. Right. And it's ambiguous at the end, you know, it's not ambiguous which one he picks because he picks his dad. I'm pretty sure he picks his dad's yeah. constellation. But is that is that the trigger or not? Because so much of the show is about 
is about fathers, the way that the Gaitonde talks about his three fathers, and then mm-hmm. the the ex, the reveals that uh, Sartage has about his Dilbog, own father yeah. and his connection with his father. But we are getting ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, do you want to set up this this season, kind of where? Where the show left us off last season and then where this season goes. And uh, maybe tell us about some of the new characters. Okay, this will all be off the top of my head. I'll see if I can do it. We finished watching this a week ago. So um, at the end of the first season, you find out that someone has planted a nuke. Mm -hmm. Gaitande has been telling Sartage over the course of the first season that he has to save the city. What that means is kind of ambiguous. But this time it's all 100%. We know there's a nuke. Mm -hmm. And uh, we find out through the Gaitande sequences how he gets mixed up with an apocalyptic death cult that wants to kickstart a new um, a new world order, a new level of humanity, basically. The reveal that it's an apocalyptic death cult comes pretty late in the season. Yeah. Or maybe like just it's after about halfway. midway. Yeah. Well, it's it's Pankaj Tripathi explaining to his followers while a classic kind of like. Metal Gear Solid style um, slideshow of bombs going off and people dying and yeah. you know riots and saying like you know we could wipe away this and start a new world order while where we're in charge and you know humanity has evolved to the next level. Before that though, Gaitande is in Africa. He's in Mombasa mm-hmm. after. Um, so in the first season, he gets broken out of jail by Dilbog Singh and uh, Guruji, played by Pankaj Tripathi. He wakes up on a boat, and he's being held ha- hostage. He has no idea where the boat is. Yeah. He thinks that he could try and swim, um, but he's actually moored off of Africa and nowhere near Mumbai. And he finds out that he's been brought to um, Africa to try and uh, help Ra with some things that only a gangster could do. Yeah. So there is a um, there's terrorists connected to ISI who are bringing drugs in through Africa and they're using the money to buy guns and stuff and they want to disrupt this operation to stop ISI and stop the terrorists. So that's where you kind of get the most of the fun gangster stuff this time is in Africa. Yeah, and he he does come back briefly. Um, he feels a little bit. Isolated. He's gone for like 12 years, 15 years, something like that. And he feels isolated from Bunty and Kantabai and his his gang. He kind of feels you know, forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he does contract a Ram Gopal Verma substitute person, uh, <laughs> R.G. Varma, I believe it was, something mm-hmm. like that, something to make like a movie that. about his life. And the movie's awful. <laughs> um, you can even tell. And he does come back briefly to do that. Which, I mean, I gotta give, like, a lot of credit to uh, Andy Ray Kasha for that. Uh, Ram Gopavarma was, you know, at one point his mentor. Uh, and I will never forget when he was on Coffee with Karan doing the um, um, rapid fire challenge. And Karen Johar asked, uh, Ram, Ram Gopavarma is? And Andy Ray Kasha responded with, Ram Gopavarma was. Oof, right. <laughs> Yeah, and then to put this kind of caricature of Ram Gopavarma in the show, oof. Yeah, shots fired. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, I maybe he also meant it as a loving um, homage to him. You know, I, yeah. I don't want to say that you know he's trying to make fun of him, but he's constantly flying to Croatia, and yeah. this is 
to visit the ashram that Pankash Tripathi is running. And this is where I got slightly confused. Like, is is what we're seeing for a while out of order? Does he, like, go to Croatia and then stay there? Or is he going back and forth for a while? I think he was flying back and forth That's what I thought pretty so regularly. Too. I think he did... He stops doing crime in Africa after a while, and I believe he lives at the ashram for quite a few years. Yeah, and he start he kind of turns his business to starting to bring in this drug, gochi, gochi that uh, the ashram uses to essentially like open up their mind, the third eye, and it's also something that he could do without his analyst from Raw noticing because mm-hmm. he takes over. Uh, one of his rivals' uh, liquor operations in uh, Mombasa, and he takes over a casino. He does all this mm-hmm. stuff, but it's under like the raw intelligence officer's uh, purview. But um, he does the gochi on his own. We also get a lot more of um, Jojo. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, Jojo Mascarenas, played by Servine Chala, and you see her very little at the beginning of season one, right? Like because she's mm-hmm. shot and kind of crawling around in the. Uh, bunker trying to get out but and i think there's a big question about like who was this lady who was she how did she betray him mm-hmm. and then when kind of the truth comes out it's very interesting yeah and i i really like their relationship because she's kind of a madam i guess now mm-hmm. but she was an actress who uh after her sister got a role she got jealous and you know something bad happened there so she's kind of got this weird like penitent monk aspect to her she's got like a a band that she tightens on her thigh mm-hmm. with like chainmail on it to punish herself, and she constantly talks about wanting to die. And um, Gaetana's like, "What the hell? <laughs> What's your problem, lady?" She's just kind of like a she. He doesn't get her. Yeah, and then we also get kind of a, more of the actress from the first season who was kind of trying to cover up the fact that she was Pakistani yeah. and how she's related to both Gaitonde and Jojo. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it fills in some of the gaps from the first season as well as introducing us to this apocalyptic death cult. Yeah. Uh, of which uh, Kalki Kolinkalin factors in quite a bit. Yeah, so... Um, at the point at which Sartage is active in solving the mystery, uh, Guruji is supposedly dead, but actually is dead. <laughs> it's kind of a triple reveal that he's been pretending to be dead, but also Gaitande killed him like four, 40 days earlier or so before he retreated to his bunker. Yeah. And he steals this special book that is supposed to show the death cult how to live in the future. Yeah. And they're really mad about that. He also explains why he built this bunker. And it's not to live out and the apocalypse. And Trivedi is. Yeah, we find out who Trivedi is. But um, the bunker is not actually to like live through the apocalypse or whatever. It's just to get away from Malcolm, who is <laughs> just extremely good at murdering people. And it is implied killed um, everyone who knew what the cult was up to but didn't sign on. And I think he also might have killed uh, Dilbog Singh. Because mm-hmm. you see him with kind of a plunger of something that he's going to poison his... Um, Sartage's dad with. So that sums up what goes on with Kaitonde. Mm-hmm. What goes on with Sartage, with Saifeli Khan. I found this part of the show a little bit more convoluted than 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 in the first season, kind of the, the present day aspects. They've set up a like a task force to try and figure out where the bomb is and how to stop it. And they're kind of infiltrating um 
like Muslim radicalism Mm -hmm. in Mumbai. So there's like a printing press that puts out propaganda for them. Mm -hmm. Then they find out through them that uh, there's this uh, prostitute who's got radiation disease. And then we find out from her that there was these two guys who were hired by the the radicals to bring the nukes in. And they've got radiation disease too. And then we find out through them that uh, Ranveer Shori is like the head militant guy who is essentially going to be the point man for setting off the bomb. Which is interesting because this is a Muslim terrorist thinking that he's blowing up uh, Mumbai for his um, purposes. But he's actually being manipulated by like super Hindu uh, yeah. religious uh, affiliated by people. By Guruji. By Guruji in order to blow up Mumbai for their purposes. So I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. And Ranveer Shori... I always like when Ranveer Shori is in a movie mm-hmm. uh, or a TV show. I think he gives a good performance, um, and I always wish there was more of him. Yeah, he he gets a like he's part of the main cast this season, but he's not in it as much as I was expecting. Maybe the last two episodes he really kind of shows up, but for the most part, like he'll occasionally be on the phone or something. Yeah, I would have liked more from from his character, uh, and and when you get kind of a flashback about his life, um, and it kind of opens up more about, you know, kind of how how he feels about partition. Yeah. And I, I would like more from this character. I thought he was interesting. But and, that, my, and also, like, immediately you are interested in him because he's played by Rampier Shore. Yeah, I always like Rampier Shore. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. I don't know if there's another show that would do this, but in the last episode, and I believe the episode prior, I think it's the last episode where we see his grandmother during partition. Yeah. And getting separated yeah, from that's her family. The flashback I was yeah. to. So, like most shows would be like, okay, they're they've got the nuke. There's like one day left, but no, we'll have a flashback explaining why this guy, uh, you know, hates India. Like, okay, interesting. And then the the episode before, we get the whole uh, uh, JoJo flashback to her sister. Mm-hmm. And again, like you would think, this show is very very close to the conclusion. There's a very exciting. You know, international spy explosion plot and all this stuff, but we do get the backstory of like a character that we've known about for a while. Because I think this season is not as plot driven as the previous season. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I say that it gets convoluted, I think one of the one of the reasons for that, or maybe it's not convoluted, but it starts to get kind of disorienting. And I think one of the reasons for that is because. Uh, in the present day, we're often with, you know, we're taking Saif Ali Khan's character's point of view, Sartaj's point of view, and he starts to do all this gochi and, yeah. like, lose sense of reality. And at the same time, in the flashbacks, a very similar thing happens with Gaitonde, with Nawazuddin Siddiqui's character. Yeah. And so you start to kind of question these unreliable narrators. You start well, to, like, the, the paranoia yeah. starts to set in. And, you you know, at times, I, I found this season harder to watch, not because I thought it was like more graphic or more violent or anything. I think it's actually less violent. And yeah, I think it yeah. is less violent. But I had a harder time getting a handle on it because of all this disorienting. But I think that's I, I think, think that's part the of the point. Yeah, and in this, the scene changes between timelines are like finger snap away. Yeah, and be as like, it gets closer and closer, yeah. the timelines merging. Okay, but who is Gaitonde speaking to? He's still narrating his portion. But Sartaj, I, I I was led to believe that the tapes were over. Yeah, I feel like... <laughs> Who's he narrating to? I think he probably just talked to Sartaj for maybe about a couple hours before they broke into so the So is that bunker. still the tapes? 
No, I think... He's just narrating for us? He's I think that Gaetande has actually just become a god and is talking to us. <laughs> okay. Because he, you know, it's all through the first season. He's saying, like, I'm going to become a god. I'm a god. I can do whatever I want. And then we see in the second season that Guruji specifically set him up. Yeah. To say, like, through flattery and sexual favors, interestingly enough... And all this stuff to make him think that he's like an avenging angel who's going to yeah. bring down this era of humanity. And that he's in control. And it's kind of a meta thing of the, like... And yeah. I think the realization that he is not in control of his own life is the thing that destroys him. Well, I think it's more of a re-realization. He's always, he's always kind of had like a star-crossed like, oh, yeah, my life is awful, uh, but it wasn't my fault, but... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now it's even... He's had the rug pulled out, out from under him so many times, especially by the third man that he thought was going to show him what was up. And who... The third father. Act, the third father. He, the, the, he actually thought that he liked him. Mm-hmm. But um, turns out, nope. <laughs> he was just using him. Do you think Guruji believes in his prophecies? I think so. Yeah. I mean... I think he does. Because, like, choosing to destroy the world is kind of different than creating a cult just to, like, make money. Which, yeah. you know, some cults are made just so or it's like the Nex- leaders can make money. Or it's like Nexium or something where it's like a sex cult. Yeah. Which I think his cult does have aspects of. Oh, yes. Because there's quite a few orgies that happen over the course of the show. I never thought I'd see some implied sex between uh, Pankaj Tripathi and Nawazuddin Siddiqui. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> but I think... I think he's a bit more cynical because you don't blow up the world and have a hundred people left over, like ironically. Like there's no way that he's going to get out of this because there's no world left. And we should say when we say blow up the world, this implies that India will retaliate against uh, presumably Pakistan for a nuke and they would start World War III. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's their plan. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's not it's not inconceivable. Yeah, considering the political climate these days, and considering the fact that both of them do have access to nuclear weapons, um, it, it's it's not inconceivable. And from what I understand, because we haven't read the book, um, well, you've read some of it. Uh, a lot of the end game and this the cult stuff um, has been updated and modernized mm. from what's in the book. Um, to kind of Smart. reflect present day anxieties, and and I think it does, you know, because Guruji sees a a diseased world, mm-hmm. and and I think we we live with that and we feel that daily, you know, the the rise of conservative politics around the world, mm-hmm. climate change knocking on our door, um, in like economic inequality around the world, like you know, yeah. this this show asks you. To consider, is this world worth saving? Um, and I think ultimately, through Sartage, it decides that it is worth saving. But I'm an optimist. Only at the very last minute, though. Yeah, but I also, I'm an optimist. He, the, <laughs> so I could see someone reading it completely differently. And yeah. that's one of the things that I actually really liked about this season. The first season was far more of kind of a straightforward um, procedural Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were, we had both this kind of gangster narrative and then this cop pursuit deal running side by side, which I really enjoyed, found really, really gripping. This, this is completely different. Like. Well, it's, it's leaning much more into the geopolitics and religion yeah. and, uh, being a gangster or being a cop, those are both just kind of 
the respective wings of you know the state and yes. uh, people's mind. Like so, Sartage and Gaetande were ultimately just foot soldiers in mm. you know the big sacred games that people are having, but. They did come to a point where they rebelled against the system, both of them, mm-hmm. and presumably were rewarded for it in Sartaja's case and in Gaitande's case, villainized forever and um, not rewarded at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't enjoy the season as much while we were watching it, but again, taken as a whole, the two of them together, I, I do really like the show. And I, though I. Having kind of seeing where the series goes, I would hesitate to recommend it to the same people that I recommended the first season to. Yeah, if you like gangster movies, imagine if a gangster movie turned into kind of a Bond movie. Uh, sure. It's a, you know, Bond doesn't really fight religious leaders, but this is a guy with an underground almost, fortress that has like a hundred people that are going to service him. It almost has um, horror aspects. It's not quite like midsummer level like sure. cult horror stuff, but it does. It does kind of. Well, you know it what does it is. Start to start to get horry. It's horry. Horry. <laughs> it, it it has a paranoid. It has a paranoid '70s thriller aspect. Where yes. Okay. Especially yeah. in Sartage's case, he finds out that basically everyone that he's known and worked with is in on this. Yeah. Um, Carr. Regardless of whether or not they know about it, like whether or not they're like in line with the cult or not. Yeah. So Niraj Kaj. And that Kabi's, just relates to the how deep seated all the corruption is and how. Yeah. Guruji, you know, he might be right. You have to blow letter. everything up. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we see DCP Parokar, who essentially knows that you know there's big money in keeping certain crime, you know, on the DL and like mm-hmm. allowing it to go on. And he was a recurring thorn in the side of uh, um, Sartaj in the first season. He doesn't appear to have liked Dilbag Singh, his father, mm-hmm. either. But in this. You know, the kind of Dudley Smith-esque dirty detective who just, you know, does crime and doesn't appear to care about, you know, smashing evil at all. Uh, even he realizes just like, oh, I've been a fool this whole time. They, they've they been playing me and I didn't even realize there's a whole other level. And it's kind of fitting that he is the one who kills my least favorite character in the show, uh, Bipin Bosol, mm. who is this high-level government official who keeps getting... You know, kidnapped or arrested and all this stuff, and he won't—he won't say where, what his part in the conspiracy is because he doesn't understand either. I just wanted to see that guy get his, and he did. That actor, uh, what's his name again? Uh, Girish Kokani. Yeah, uh, who we also see in Dungal. He just is a face that you hate. <laughs> like he's just—he has he's so good in these roles as just the guy you hate. Yeah, it's um, oh. Backfichtengeist. <laughs> oh yeah. There's a there's a German word that means a face in need of a fist, and unfortunately yeah. he does have it. I mean, fortunately for his career, he does have one of those. Yeah, no, he's like he's good in, in in all these roles, but it's just like as soon as he shows up, I'm like, oh, I hate him. Yeah, <laughs> I want someone to punch that guy. <laughs> uh, what do you think of Helki Kulpen? Well, um, which I'm, I mean, I generally I am impressed that you know she and Anirai Kashyap like went to work every day on this show together. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an odd situation. I generally stick up for Kalki Coquelin. I feel that she does get kind of typecast as Rich Dilettante who screws up the uh, relationship of the main characters. Right. That's usually what she does. Uh, in this one, I think she's actually pretty effective as the middle manager in charge of the apocalypse. Mm. Um, who 
is kind of in charge of the cult once Guruji goes away and kind of has to be a romantic rival for uh, Gaitande, too. Yeah, for he, Guruji's affection. Because he hates her, and yeah. she's seems kind of oblivious to Gaitande's existence. Yeah, she's so she's so above it all. Yeah, yeah no, I liked her a lot. Yeah, she is good. She's good. I mean, I always. It's love a different kind of role, though. Like she's mm-hmm. not. She's not. Apart from that, a romantic entanglement. One might say she's, which is very minor. Yeah, she's playing a different kind of role, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's a very kind of. Um, Threatening figure, I think, throughout this season. Mm-hmm. Well, she's the true believer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Guruji, she does a good job. you know, we think that he's probably on board with all this, but there's got to be some other angle. Mm-hmm. But she's the one who's taking his prophecy to the next level and saying, yeah, we're going to blow up the world. Um, you know, here's your here's your white shirt. You're going to live in the bunker with us. Uh, did you notice, like, a, a difference in directing from... Vikramaditya Matwane in the first season to Niraj Gaiwan this season? Um, well, he, if he was doing the modern day stuff, I think one thing that the series is kind of hampered by is scale. Mm-hmm. Because near the end, they say that they are shipping people out of Mumbai on trains. For most of the series, they can't tell anybody that there's this threat to mm-hmm. blow up Mumbai because they don't want to have gigantic riots and people dying. But they, and from what I understand, they got a ton of money to make this season. That's yeah, why they were able to like film in other parts of the world. Yeah, but I think his a lot of it is in like decaying old bunkers, mm-hmm. um, the ashram, which looks beautiful. Like mm-hmm. I'd like to visit there. Maybe not take the gochi, but uh, you know, the ashram in Mumbai. Yeah, the, it the seems really ashram. nice. Yeah, yeah, the the set design there. I don't know if that's a real building. Um, someone please tell me, but the set design there is insane. Yeah, and the one in Croatia looked nice too. Yeah, um, but the Mumbai one is like. But yeah, I think I, it was maybe a bit less kinetic. Um, it's also probably due to what you're saying about the paranoia that has seeped inside of everybody, and also I would yeah. say Sartage's uh, physical condition going downhill because he loses a thumb at the end of the first season, mm-hmm. and. He is not sleeping. He's getting his ass kicked all the time. You could tell from his shirt that he's just hmm. he just smells awful because he's sweating and is running around. Like, but he, he barely even talks for most of this season. I'd say. Yeah, but I, I do think that um, Gaiwan maintained the visual aesthetic from Matwane, and so mm-hmm. we still have a lot of handheld cameras, a lot of location shooting. And a lot of using natural light. I, I think of this kind of one shot um, that's, that's a long take. And people know how much you and I go crazy for long takes. <laughs> best part of Mirzapur and arguably one of the best parts of this too. Yeah. where um, and It's got to be a drone. Yeah it, it, yeah. it looks like drone photography of Sartaj kind of in a chase going up in a building. Yeah. They're, um, they're, which is just the kind of Which like, you could see from outside. You could see from outside. He's chasing down yeah. a suspect once he, once he gets to the roof. And the camera kind of follows him around a corner. It was very cool. I just I, I I love that stuff. And so I think I do think that with both with both seasons there um, there's tends to be an emphasis or a lot of praise for what Kashyap does with Gaitonde. Um, but I'm equally impressed, if not more so sometimes, 
um, by the the Sartage portion, the Saif Ali Khan portion. And, and Saif Ali Khan gives an incredible performance, unsurprisingly. Nawazuddin Siddiqui continues to give a solid performance. Like, everyone... I don't really think there was a, a weak link in the cast, though... Despite our praise of Kalki Kilkelin, she's the only one that kind of... And I think it's more that character and not her performance. Yeah. Uh, going back to the visual aesthetics, um, I quite liked Cash App's portrayal of the cult. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and when everything goes red. When everything goes red. That's what I was thinking about. It reminds me a bit And then of, when everything stops being red. I think I think he might have seen some Panos Cosmatos films because Maybe. it reminded me quite a bit of Beyond the Black Rainbow and uh, Mandy. Yeah. It does seem like the sort of thing he'd like to. Yeah. But I, I, I want him to do go full out and do like a Wicker Man or something. Like do another movie about a cult. That'd yeah, be me cool. Too. Me too. Yeah, I want, I want Bollywood Wicker Man or... Midsummer, or, uh, Wild Wild I, Country, or uh, well, isn't isn't Priyanka Chopra supposed to be doing that? Something like that, yeah. yeah. But like, um, or even a Bollywood Midnight Special. Yeah, Bollywood Midnight Special would be amazing. Yes. Uh, if you haven't seen Midnight Special, go look it up. That yeah. movie ruled. But like, and that's like he does that's a really a good, good cult movie for people who can't watch horror movies because it's more of a science fiction thing. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of like a Steven Spielberg, yeah, kind of Amblin type adventure. But um, I thought that. His camera work and especially the lighting in the in the cult in the ashram in the back room where they're discussing all their crazy plans, that was really effective. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see more of that from him. Yeah, yeah, I I I really liked it, and and I think you know while I was watching it, I was like, okay, I can see why the response to this has been a bit more muted, why people aren't as on board. I'm not enjoying this as much. But once it once it got to that ending and that last shot, I was like, "Oh yeah, no, this is genius. This is this is, this has been great." And and it, and obviously, it's it's given me a lot to think about. I, I like the fact that there are multiple ways to interpret um, that final scene, but also you know the the whole kind of project. It's really it's really gripping and it's really interesting and it's it has some virtuoso kind of filmmaking in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It works Regardless of your interpretation of the final scene, you do have to appreciate that Sartash Singh is willing to look a nuclear apocalypse in the face and actually try. Yeah. Whereas everyone else just kind of peels out because they Spreads can't figure away. it out. And that that way that you unlock the bomb by drawing oh, a kind of constellation, thing, it's, it's cool, but also I was just thinking like, well, how does he know exactly what line to start on? And how far are you supposed <laughs> to go? Like he wasn't mapping it exactly, so um, a little bit imprecise, but you know. <laughs> they they didn't want people to yeah. be able to turn the bomb off that easy. Okay, Matt. So the major question: What do you think of Pankaj Tripathi's wig? I think that it's gross, <laughs> but I think he's supposed to look kind of sweaty and old and weird. It 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 looks fake. I think the issue that people are having with it is that like they spend so much money on this show, but that wig looks fake. I mean, Kalki Kokan's wig looked okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like Pankaj Tripathi. I think we haven't even talked about his performance. He's good. Like he's compelling, and mm-hmm. um, he has Pankaj Tripathi always reminds me of like um, kind of a mid to late era, but not quite when he loses it and gives up Marlon Brando. Yeah, especially yeah. not um, young Brando, but kind of like aging Brando. But this is before in your... you get to um, Doctor Moreau. Like that's no, right this there. is kind of I think. <laughs> Visually, his character is kind of edging towards that, just kind of... Yeah, like, but he's actually giving a solid he's trying, performance. Yes. He's trying, not yeah. like Brando was. He is a, he is a Moro-type character. Um, yeah, he's usually my favorite 
character in a movie if I watch one. Like, Stree, he's great. Luca Chupi, he was good. He's like, so good in Luca Chupi. Yeah, he, he's always like a good, uh, a good uh, um, like side player. Mm-hmm. And this is more of a main character. I think he's really good because um, he has a compelling aura, but is also sort of repellent. Yeah. And I think that works for a cult leader. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I didn't have a huge problem with the wig, though. I agree with all the comments that it looks fake. Uh, yeah, I mean... I don't think he's supposed to look that attractive, though. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, people are like, he gets around, though. <laughs> he, you know, you could look at him in kind of his, his sleazy Lothario type guy in Luca Chubi, for instance, and see, like, oh, this is what he looks like when he wants to be handsome, or at least, like, kind of sleazily handsome. In this, he looks like a weird cult leader who sits in a room all day and has everyone do whatever he says, and he just, you know, kind of lazes about. So I get it. This episode of Bollywoodist Lovers is brought to you by the Common Ground Podcast, a new five-part series exploring narratives of hate and counter-hate in Alberta, our home province. Created by Irfan Chowdhury, Director of the Office of Human Rights, Diversity and Equity at McEwen University, in collaboration with Iman Bukhari from the Canadian Cultural Mosaic Foundation in Calgary. So this uh, new podcast was prompted by the rise in police-reported hate crimes in Alberta, and a desire to examine what can be done to improve the way that we look at each other. We recommend episode one to start at the beginning, the context of hate in Alberta, on the diverse and divisive viewpoints that fuel the rhetoric of hate, and what we can do about it. Find the podcast at mcewen.ca slash O-H-R-D-E, which stands for the Office of Human Rights, Diversity, and Equity, or just search for Common Grounds Podcast in the podcatcher of your choice. Now, despite all the fallout I've seen Matt play, I don't know the first thing about preparing for the nuclear apocalypse. I guess you need a bunker, or you need to join a cult that has a bunker, or maybe stock up on anti-radiation pills. Those are a thing, right? I have no idea. Don't listen to me. Listen to Dr. Josh Bezanson and Grayson Cockett. They host Epic Podcast. Emergency Preparedness in Canada. Epic Podcast delivers current, relevant, and Canadian educational content for those who share a passion for emergency management and disaster science. Disaster science. That sounds a lot like the nuclear apocalypse, right? At Epic, they believe that disasters are everyone's business and that free, open access to education can drive the profession forward while improving preparedness for Canadians. So Epic gives you all the info you need without you having to join a cult. Listen, as they interview leading experts in the field, review emerging and landmark publications, and debate important disaster issues, like do we need to prepare for a nuclear apocalypse? You can find Epic Podcast and the arrest of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, member podcasts at albertapodcastnetwork.com. All right, well, I think that brings us to the end of our discussion of Sacred Game Season 2. Yeah, if you haven't watched it and you got this far, what's wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Why did you listen to us talk about it? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it's still good, though. Yeah, it is still good. Uh, I am not looking forward to a Season 3 because I don't think there's any need for it. And I I suspect they won't make it. I I think this is it. No, I mean, basically everyone's taken off the table. Yeah. Like, assuming Sartaj wins... Assuming Sartaj put the code in right, I mean, Shari's dead, Coquelin probably dead. She got shot. She was mm-hmm. kind of crawling around like JoJo was in a mm-hmm. bit of uh, resonance there. Um, Gaitande dead. Obviously. JoJo dead. 
like almost all the main cast is dead. Pilecar's dead. Hey, the whole world's dead. dead. We don't know. Yeah. So there isn't really anyone to mess with the Sartage Singh anymore. And I don't I guess I kind of I like the the ambiguous ending. I would like it to stay there. Yeah. yeah. I think it's cool. They could just adapt another Vikram Chanda book. Yeah. No. That seems like a good and idea. And from what I understand, Sartage is in one of his previous books. Oh neat. Yeah. yeah. Uh so we will be back in two weeks with a new episode. What are we doing? What are we going to discuss, Matt? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, we're going to discuss a pair of kind of action comedies. Oh, right. Kind of like your your fun spy movies. The fun version of, you know, someone having to defuse a bomb to save the world. Yeah, yeah. So War is coming out. Um, this uh, new film with uh, Rithik Roshan and Tiger Shroff. I gotta say, and Vani Kapoor looks and mediocre. <laughs> it looks to be some sort of like epic spy game. Uh, so we are you got... ready? Or, okay, I'm gonna get this down on tape. Okay, so Rithik Roshan is going undercover as a big bad guy mm-hmm. in order to sniff out some other big bad guy. Tiger doesn't know this. He trained him at spy school or whatever, and he's like, "Oh, you're the only one who could take him down." But eventually, he realizes that Rithik's on the side of the angels, and they team up to kill the bad guy. Also, Vani Kapoor is there. Uh, she will hook up with Tiger. <laughs> okay. Or she will hook up with both of them over the course of the film. But I'm thinking Tiger ends up with her. Rithik dies a hero after stopping some guy from doing something. All right. That's, that's my guess of what's going to happen in war. We'll, we'll find out in a month or so, I guess. Yeah, because we will not have seen it when we record our next episode. Yeah. Um, but the films we are going to be discussing are Bang Bang, another Rithik Roshan film. Another wonderful yeah. Rebecca Roshan film, and possibly the funniest Katrina Kaif's been in a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's great in it. Yeah. Uh, and A Gentleman. Which I haven't seen. With uh, Siddharth Malhotra and uh, Jackson Fernandez. So it's going to be a pair of kind of like fun, globetrotting uh, action, sexy action comedies. Yeah. Yeah. Who in doesn't the- like that? Sexy action comedy. Everything in that is good. <laughs> in the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Well, we're on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Bollywood is for lovers. At Bollywood Pod on Twitter. I'm at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. I'm at Erin E. Fraser, E-R-N-E-F-R-A-S-E-R. We're on Audio Boom, all your podcatcher type things. We got the Tumblr, Bollywood is for lovers dot Tumblr.com. Apple Podcasts. If you're a fan of the show, again, please leave us a star rating and review at Apple Podcasts. Yeah, we'll read it there. And we'll mm-hmm. that's the best way to say, hey, I want this movie on the menu. Like, okay. Yeah. If you do that, we'll go for it. Uh, we also want to give a shout out to Becca Dalkey for our artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, we continue to think Tuffy is a good boy. Yeah, possibly the best boy. Possibly the best. Yeah. Um, anyway, try not to blow up uh, Mumbai while we're gone. <laughs>